Good, good morning, Josiah. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, day to you who are listening. My name is Josiah Kane. I'm Chuck Jones today. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Breakfast Theology. Once again, we are at IHOP, and uh, this morning I had biscuits and gravy with some sausage and hash browns. Very delicious. Yeah, and I had a spinach omelet. Spinach omelet. Covered in hollandaise sauce. Mm. Doesn't matter what you're eating if it's covered in hollandaise (laughs) sauce. (laughs) It looked pretty good, I must admit. Although my taste buds have really changed since I was a kid. I used to be, I would say, averse to spinach. Most green things. (laughs) Although uh, nowadays I quite enjoy it. So this week, um, we are going to be talking about baptism, and uh, next week we're going to be talking about communion. We figured it would just be, uh, those two kind of naturally go together. They're both, uh, sometimes the church calls them sacraments, um, but they're both major practices of the Christian faith, and uh, Protestants, so kind of two different camps here, you have Catholicism, you have Catholics and you have Protestants. Catholics have uh, many more sacraments like confirmation and uh, what's the one I'm thinking of? Uh, sounds like injunction, but it's not injunction. Uh, oh, I gotta find out this word. Unction, that's it. Extreme unction, like the uh, anointing of the sick. Yeah, so. The uh, the Catholics have seven sacraments, and the uh, Protestant Church only recognizes baptism and communion as two major sacraments. So we're going to be covering baptism today, communion next week. So Chuck, have you been baptized? Yes, sir. I was baptized about. How old are you? I'm 24. I was baptized like 58 years ago. That's a long time ago. And they still do it the same way. Yeah, hasn't changed much. Technology and baptism is pretty consistent. I, uh, I was baptized myself when I was, I think, 13, maybe 12. Um, just in that range. Just about. So baptism, mechanically, on the surface level, is uh, you're taking someone and you're dunking them underwater and you pull them out and then it's over. But it's much more than that, spiritually. Yes, it is, indeed. It is dipping, Uh, I remember learning all of these things back when I was a teenager to dip in the water and you gotta have enough water to dip them in mm-hmm. you can't just splash it on them that's not dipping so I think that in order to baptize someone you have to submerge them completely 
And I still remember the first time I baptized anybody. No practice. Uh Baptizing this young person. Said the things, offered the prayer. Down she went. I saw the water cover her face. And then I realized, I don't know how long to hold her under. (laughs) (laughs) Until all the sins washed away. Yeah, it's a... It's kind of a weird thing, baptism. It's not something you really see in any other faith. It's kind of a, like, what do you mean dunking me underwater? What, like, why do this act, you know? Yeah. So I want to read this passage, which I think um, kind of talks about baptism in a good way. Yeah, so in 1 Peter 3. Kind of talks about it in a good way? Explains it, rather. Explains it well, I think. Or at least is going to start us on our conversation of understanding. So 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 18. Are you already there, too? No. Oh, okay. For Christ also died for sins once for all the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also we went and in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient, when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah, during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, that's Noah, his wife, his sons, and their wives, were brought safely through the water, Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers have been subjected to him. So what do you make of this passage, Chuck? Well, what did Peter say there about... uh Saving us? Yeah, it's uh, comparing the ark uh, to baptism. So the ark was this big boat, if you guys aren't familiar with the story, this big boat that carried Noah and his sons and his wife, their wives um, on the water when God flooded the earth and it was saved them. They were the only people that survived, and two of each animal and seven of the holy ones. And uh, what Peter is saying is, Baptism is now this kind of vehicle. It's this way that God has chosen to save people. So the ark brought people safely. Now baptism brings people safely to salvation. Yeah. When you're baptized, you're baptized into Jesus. Yep. And it's uh, like being in the ark. Yeah. Yeah, the, the people in the boat didn't really do anything. It was the boat doing all the work. All they had to do was get inside to get it be part of what was going on. And it's the same way for Christians. So Christ did all the hard work. He's the one that died and suffered for sin. As uh, verse 18 says, he died once for all. So kind of this final sacrifice. But it's... It's not like, as Peter says there, not the removal of filth of the flesh, mm. 
It's not like taking a bath. Yeah, it's not a ritual cleansing in the sense of getting pure physically. But it's an answer of a good conscience toward God. Mm. What can I do, Father, to thank you for what you've done for me? Get baptized. Yeah. I kind of see it as the wedding ring of faith. So, uh, when you go to get married, you each have a ring, and, and a part of the ceremony is placing that ring on the other person's hand, and they're saying, well, essentially what that is saying is, my commitment is to you, right? So, mm-hmm. it's kind of this outward show of an inward decision. So, like, everybody sees it, everybody knows it, your partner knows it, and you've made this decision, and here it is. Public display. Yeah. Yeah. And baptism's the same way. It's this public confirmation of an inward change. I want Jesus to be my Savior. I'm, I'm accepting him as my Savior. I want God to be a part of my life. I want to be a part of their system. I want to be saved. And here's how I show that. Right. And when we are in baptism, we, as you said, we become a part of Christ. So we partake in his death, which is kind of the symbolism of, sub- of submersion. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of like going down into the grave. I'll be right back. Thank you. No problem. So you're, kind of, you're going down into the grave as Jesus did, but you're also coming up in life as Jesus did. So you're, you're partaking in that same everything that Jesus did. Let me read that. Could I? Please. Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Mm. Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a new way of living. So, in verse 5 of Romans chapter 6, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. For that reason then, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. Baptism, you know, some might consider it a a signification of I'm a member of the church. 
I'm a member of this particular church or this particular denomination. <clears throat> it carries a heavier weight. Much sig heavier. It signifies your death with Jesus and your resurrection when you're stood up out of the water. So it's a symbolic act of your old man being put to death so that you can live in a new kind of life. Yeah. Not one of a bunch of rules and regulations. Do this and don't do that. You're not, you're not putting handcuffs on. Right, right, not handcuffs. It's a freedom. It is. You're free now from the lust that, that drove your life and decisions beforehand. Mm -hmm. You're dead to that. You, you were a slave. Yep. Everybody is born a slave to sin. To something. To something. And the way out of that slavery is accepting the freedom of Christ. Right. It's kind of this uh, idea of kind of like you're buying, Jesus is buying your freedom for you from the slave owner. There's a lot of different ways that uh, Jesus' sacrifice is talked about, and it's used in different analogies, yeah. but that's one of them, that he's kind of uh, freeing you of your debt, um, making the correct payment so that you can have a free life. Yeah. And in the book of Acts, they talk about baptism a number of times. Peter encourages people to be baptized yep. calling on the name of the Lord and washing away your sins. But then didn't he say it's not like taking a bath? Yeah, it's not the physical dirt removal, but it is a sin removal process. Yeah. And also in uh, Acts 2 when people were saying what should we do? When they were really convicted. Yeah. Repent and be baptized. How hard is it? Repent and be baptized. It's simple, but that doesn't mean... It's easy. It's easy. Yeah. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You and everybody that's reading this. Yeah, there's, there's just so much happening in that one little section. Yeah. It's telling us what we need to do and what our commitment is. So we need to repent. We need to say, God, I realize I'm a sinner and I want a different life. And here's, I've sinned and I, and I want you to forgive me. I, I, I need forgiveness for these things. This is the doorway to that new kind of life. Yeah. And I want to step through it. So please forgive me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm committing myself to Jesus. I want to make him, interestingly, my Lord. So, which is just another word for master. So you're moving from slavery to sin, who is a very bad master. In your yeah, what's your life. His, what's his wages? <laughs> Death. Right. Yeah. And, and then you're moving yourself over to the to the sonship, slavery ship, servanthood, however you want to call it, you're moving yourself into the system of Christ. And you're allowing Him to rule your life. 
and you're, and you're following his dominion. Yep. And when you do that, as we read in Peter, as we read in Romans, the old nature, our, our sin nature is dead, it's gone, and we're stepping into life now. We're stepping into the blessings that Jesus gives us and the way that Jesus lived and the way that he's living now, which is at the right hand of God forever, immortal, is how we're going to live. Yep. I agree with you. Oh, and then there's also that mention of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit with baptism. And it's kind of this... The Holy Spirit is kind of this... uh, something we don't hear much about in the Old Testament, although we do hear about it. It's God's power, and uh, we see people imbued with the Spirit in multiple sections, and they prophesy or uh, do something amazing, like Samson has immense strength. Uh, the craftsmen of the tabernacle yes, were given the Spirit so that they could create these beautiful utensils. Um and master, or they become masters of these crafts with the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit um, come upon different prophets when they give a message to a king or to Israel. And it's kind of something that was used at specific times. God gave it to specific people, and then the Spirit would leave them after they were done completing their task. But what's interesting is in the New Testament, there's this whole new system where God's Spirit is given to people liberally, it's, and it's just kind of permanently given to them. And so, when we're baptized, we receive this gift permanently. It's not like God is giving it to us just for a short time and then taking it back. It's this, it's what God has always wanted. And it's finally happening. Yeah. Here's what Peter says in Acts chapter 2. Uh, verse 16 and the ones verses that follow <clears throat> but this is what is was spoken by the prophet Joel and it shall come to pass in the last days says God that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and so what's going to be the results of this poured, poured out spirit your sons and your daughters will prophesy Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servant and on my maid servant I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the results of the Spirit is the prophesying of visions. Power and dreams. Yeah. And miracles. And we certainly see that in the life of Jesus and the apostles. Oh, yes. Things that have never happened before in history were happening all the time. Um, people being healed, and, you know, food being multiplied. Well, one that, comes, one that comes to mind is in John 9, the man born blind, and he says himself to the Pharisees, 
this has never happened before in Israel. A person born blind received their sight. And you don't know who this guy is that did it? Man, I love when he says that to the Pharisees. He's like, listen, they're, they're like questioning him. Like, hey, who did this? Who was it? Like, tell us who it was. He's like, listen, I don't know his name. But he's doing this. You should know. You're the spiritual leaders here. This guy's going around healing people. This is your responsibility. And you don't know anything about him? Well, you want to be his disciple? Yeah, you want to follow him too? Why, why are you so curious? And man, he they just they he rubs them the wrong way. <laughs> they lit into him bad. So I kind of see uh, baptism as this primary commitment to a life of Christ. Well, I guess I certainly think that like children who understand the wonder of God and they can they can be wholeheartedly in love with God and, and still not be baptized. But baptism is kind of this like public commitment where you're finally you're planting your flag in the hill of Christ. You're saying this is where I stand. Yes. Um, when do you th- think is the right time to be baptized? It's kind of this big deal. It's a big commitment, but how do we come to that moment in our lives? Well, I think when a person understands that baptism is uh, a matter of obedience, as you said, Jesus becomes our Lord, and we realize that I need to get baptized because it's a matter of obedience. That's what my conscience is saying. What's what's to stop them? Hmm. You know, besides church law. Yeah, traditions of men. Yeah. There's kind of. Do you think there's like an age of? I don't know. Accountability. Yeah. Where like you would feel uncomfortable baptizing someone under a certain age. Wait a minute. Three. <laughs> I feel like as long as someone can voice these three things, they're getting close to ready to be baptized. If they they can say that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that they believe that He died and rose again, and that they want to make Him the Lord of His li- their life, I feel like if they can make those three commitments, and, and they. They, you you kind of get that feeling that they're making it, they're being serious about it. Then I feel like it's probably all you need. You know, there wasn't a lot of prerequisites like in Acts Checklist. two. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like Peter's like, okay, uh, do you have these verses memorized from scripture? Do you, you know, like he wasn't going down a checklist to see. They met the pre-qualifications for baptism. It's kind of like they were moved to do it, and he took that opportunity and baptized them. Well, Philip and the uh, Ethiopian, he just asked Philip, "Hey, look, at there's a lot of water. Let's do it here." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, wait, wait, wait. you need to have this 16-part history <laughs> theological lesson mm-hmm. beforehand. Yep. Yeah, we don't really see any of that in no. Scripture. Or 
We can't do it till next spring when everybody gets baptized. <laughs> yeah. I think there is a, sometimes where it's appropriate to wait in order to be at a right time, like where you maybe want some people present. You know, like, hey, I want to make this commitment in front of these people. So when we get together, let's do it. But or you need to let wait until the ice melts. Yeah, like let's say it's dead winter and you don't have any place to do it. Yeah, maybe you need to wait. And uh, what do you think? While we're on the topic, what do you think about it being necessary for salvation? You mean like if I say I ain't doing it? I guess, yeah, that's part of the conversation, as well as uh, it might be impossible to do it. Well, I think that if you were nailed to a cross, dying, <clears throat> you wouldn't need to get baptized. <laughs> yeah. But to take that man's situation and apply it to somebody else, just because I'm really kind of embarrassed, mm-hmm. no, that's... That's not right. If you don't want to get baptized because you don't want to be embarrassed. Or you don't want to go through the hassle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right in saying as far as salvation goes. If an opportunity is presented to you and you refuse it and you have the means to do it, I think that is when it becomes a big issue. Yeah, because... The issue involves, are you going to obey mm-hmm. or not obey? Yeah. But I think there are extenuating circumstances, like being nailed to a cross and dying. Or like, for example, my dad uh, was talking to this guy, and he was dying of a, he had an enlarged heart, he had a disease. He was in the hospital, and he was going to die probably within hours. And he wanted to give his life to Christ probably not realistic to get him baptized in the next 20 minutes while he was dying. You know, like, probably wasn't going to happen. Probably not. So he gave his life to Christ, but he couldn't be baptized. And of course, it's not our exact, it's not our place to make that judgment call whether or not he's in or not. But I feel like in those kinds of extreme circumstances, I think God might have mercy and grace. But under the majority of circumstances, I would say baptism is a requirement for faith and salvation. Yeah. It's just the trying to get in under the least amount, mm-hmm. a loophole somehow. Yeah. Did God really say you couldn't eat of all the fruit of the garden? Yeah. Is that what he really, think about it, is that what he really said? No. Yeah, so. Just do it. Just do it. Um, Even if you've been in the church a long, long time and you think, oh, it would be so embarrassing for me to get up in front of everybody and acknowledge my need for baptism, do it. I recently uh, baptized two older people. They were grandparents and came to the point in their life where they felt like they wanted to be baptized. You know, it's it's not an age-restrictive practice. No. Um, it's whenever God works in your life to lead you to that point. That's when you do it. No matter how old or young you are. Was that at the church? It was, yeah. Warm water? Yeah. Yeah. It's nice having an official baptistry where it's like 96 degrees and kind of like getting into a hot tub. 
way more bubbles. pleasant. <laughs> yeah, soapy bubbles. No, it's way more pleasant than a creek or something. Yeah. Well, I've never seen it, and I didn't experience it. But my uncle told me that they would baptize people at the creek. And one particular dry summer, they had to flip the guy over to get him all wet. <laughs> That's funny. But I don't know if that actually happened. I know there's uh, been some really cold spring-fed creeks that people have been baptizing, and I'm sure happy I wasn't the one baptizing or being baptized. Although it was a meaningful experience for them. Maybe it makes your commitment even more real Yeah. when you're getting into 50-degree water. <laughs> so anything left unsaid about baptizing this morning? Anything you feel like you need to cover? So? Baptized into Jesus yeah. not the church not the denomination baptized into Jesus his death and resurrection his life of righteousness that's the footsteps we should follow is Jesus he's the Lord the boss do what he says that means obey definitely and I think you're touching on an important point well, thank you. That that baptism is not about the person baptizing you, and it's not about the church that you're being baptized in. It's about your commitment. And so um, I know that some people felt like their baptism was nullified because uh, whoever was baptizing them ended up leaving the faith or you know, committed a really terrible act of sin and didn't repent or whatever. It doesn't matter who baptized you. Um, as long as you are baptized into the name of Jesus and you're making that commitment. And your baptism isn't, like you said, into a specific church or denomination. It's into Christ. Um, so I would be weary if you've been baptized and they say, oh, well, in order to be a member here, you have to be baptized here. You know, like, those are not words that you really hear like, oh, in order to be a part of the church in Ephesus, you had to be baptized to Ephesus. Right. That's not something you really hear. So uh, I would, you know, just keep those things in mind, too, as you're being well, being led to make this decision. People would ask me about joining the church, and I would I'd just ask them, are you baptized? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I was baptized when I was a baby. And my question then would be, so you didn't make the decision to get baptized? Mm-hmm. No. Well, I think baptism is something that you should decide on. Yeah. It's, baptism is something you should decide on. It's you and your connection to Jesus. Yep. They used to call, uh, there's a group called Anabaptists who were near the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s, and they used to call them Second Baptists because they were all baptized as kids, and they all decided that they needed to be baptized under their own compulsion and conviction. Yeah. So they baptized people again, and so they got the name Second Baptist for that reason. That didn't go over big with the church, did it? No, it didn't. No, it landed them in some trouble. Um, and then they uh, jokingly 
and terribly sometimes called them third Baptists because they would drown them because they, as they are being persecuted by Christians. It's just Christian history is pretty gr gruesome in some places. Gruesome is right. And it's amazing how poorly Christians have treated other Christians in the past. But that's not about, that's not the discussion for today. That's another, another <laughs> whole story, yeah. So, so be baptized under your own compulsion, knowing full well that you're baptizing yourself into Christ. And you're making that commitment. And that is this act of a good conscience. You're making an appeal to God saying, hey, I'm making this decision. I want to show you and everybody else. Yep. That's what it is. It's, it's not magic. It's not something you should take lightly. And it's a lifelong commitment. Yeah. And I've heard people abuse <coughs> folks that wanted to get baptized. Mm. Calling it foolishness. Idiotic. I don't know how that reflects on their connection with Jesus, but yeah. they should think about it. They should. Comes down to your decision. Yep. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Breakfast Theology. We enjoyed having you this morning. And uh, next week we'll be talking about communion and its function and its purposes, where it comes from. Okay. Uh, and if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at breakfasttheology at gmail.com. Please leave a review uh, if you're listening to this uh, on a podcast application. That would help us get the word out. Share it with your friends. Um, you know, Share the Facebook post, whatever it is. Uh, just help us let other people hear about the Bible and God's good works. Yeah. All right. Until next time. Goodbye. Good day.